you've been with us the past month, uh, you've probably noticed that we've been preaching from the Old Testament, the preaching team and myself. And specifically here this past month, we've been preaching from the, the books of the prophets or the prophetic books. And I'm going to continue us in this theme that we've been in here at church today, and I'm going to look at the prophet Jonah. So I invite you to grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Jonah, because um, we're going to be referencing it today. We're going to be looking at the story. And if you don't know where Jonah is, if you're using a paper Bible, just go to Matthew and flip back a couple books. It'll be right after Micah if you're going backwards. And you should be able to find Jonah just fine. But as you open your Bibles to Jonah, I want you to think about what you already know about this story. What do you already know about Jonah? When you think about it, you probably think more about the story of Jonah than you think about the man, the prophet of God, Jonah. And that's totally okay. You may have noticed that as we've preached through and taught through some of these books of the prophets... Like Marcus did last week when he went through the book of Malachi. We're reading more of a proclamation from the prophet to the people. Commands from God through the prophet and the dialogue between God and the prophet. And through that we can see the nature of God really, really well. And that's why we're looking at the prophets in this series. But then we come to Jonah, who I'm going to be looking at today. And we think about the story. Not about the man. Not really about what he did or prophesied. And that's totally fine because Jonah is written a little differently than other books of the prophets, other prophetic books. It is written like a narrative. It is written in a story form. Even though it's a narrative of Jonah, we can still see the same things that we've seen in the other prophetic books, though. We can see the amazing character of God, his traits, and what he has in store for his people, and what the relationship with his people are. So today I want to look at the story of Jonah, but also look at that idea of what God desires his prophets and his people to be doing. So let's start by looking at who Jonah was, and then we'll look at the story of Jonah. So we can know who Jonah is by just a very little bit of background we have on him, before we enter the book of Jonah. Jonah's only referenced one other time in Old Testament, and that's in 2 Kings 14.25. And in 2 Kings, we see here that Jonah is indeed a prophet for God. It's listed and written that way. And we see Jonah in the act of prophesying, essentially. In this case, he's declaring, and he declares to Jeroboam II, which if you don't know, he was a king, and I would say he's a very evil king. But Joseph is or Jonah is prophesying to him. And what he says is that God has favored Jeroboam and his kingdom. Which is kind of interesting, because we have another prophet, Amos, who comes along in chapter 6 of his book, and declares to Jeroboam II that God is actually totally against him, and he will bring justice to him in his kingdom. So that's it. That's the entire background we have on Jonah. Two or three verses in 2 Kings chapter 14. So we know that he was indeed a prophet of God because it says so. 
But because of his prophecy there in 2 Kings, and that it was contradicted, which isn't really in the nature of God to do, maybe Jonah wasn't a great prophet. But maybe he was. But maybe he wasn't a great, great prophet. Maybe. So let's read about the story of Jonah. If you would, grab your Bibles, open up to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. Where all great stories start right at the beginning. Read with me the first three verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish and be away from the presence of the Lord. So we see Jonah, when we start his actual story, very quickly, we see him hear the command from the Lord to go to Nineveh. And within the first three verses, we see the character of Jonah, who's a prophet for God, come out and show that he might be doing the opposite of what a prophet of God normally does. He turns and he flees the complete opposite direction that God calls him. And so he gets on a boat headed to Tarshish. Then in verses 4 through 6, we see the boat set sail and a great storm come upon it. Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the sailors come up and they're like, bro, we are going to die. What are you doing sleeping? So Jonah gets up. And in verse 7, it says, and they said to one another, meaning Jonah and the sailors, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil is come upon us. So what they did is they took bets and we see that Jonah says, it's me. It's my fault. The, cats, the, the lots that were cast landed on him and says, you're right. It's me. I'm fleeing from my God. Throw me overboard. Now, Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's a pretty rash response to a storm. But think about it. Jonah knows that his God is indeed the God of the heavens, the earth, and the sea. And he's trying to run away and escape his God. What's the best way to escape your God? Well, maybe throw me in the ocean and I'll just drown and die. That's basically what he's asking them to do for him. But what happens is the sailors do indeed throw him off. And they're scared to death to do so, but they don't know what else to do. And the storm instantly stops. Interestingly enough... The prophet of God is running and turning away from God, but yet the secular heathen sailors are worshiping God because they saw the power that he just proclaimed to them when the storm immediately stopped. And then we see that Jonah is sinking in the water instead of dying. And in a great turn of events, You've probably heard this story before. He gets swallowed by a great fish. 
Possibly it's a whale. Possibly it's some other sea creature. But he gets swallowed and he's spending time in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. Then at the end of chapter one, we see that he was swallowed and he was stuck there for the three days. Then we enter chapter two. And essentially all we see happen in chapter two is Jonah sitting, grumbling in the belly of the fish and he's repentant, maybe. He prays to God and he says, I can't believe this is what's happening. I'm sorry, God, I will do what you want me to say or let me die. It's a phrase Jonah likes to say a lot. He said it to the sailors, maybe just let me die. He says it to God, just let me die. But then we get to chapter three. Let's read the first four verses. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Well, Jonah had just been spit up out of the fish after his prayer. And then we get to chapter 3. And God said to him the second time, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going about a day's journey. And he calls out, Yet forty days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the first four verses of chapter 3, we see in the end of chapter 2, Jonah prays, he spat out of the fish, and God calls upon him again to go to Nineveh. So Jonah actually does. We see that he walks into the city, which is about a three days journey across the city. He walks in about a day, so not even halfway into the city. And he stands up and he does prophesy. He says, in 40 days, the city of Nineveh shall be overthrown. Literally in Hebrew, he only says five words. His entire sermon for salvation for the city of Nineveh and all the people in it, hundreds of thousands, is five words. That's all he says. Again, I don't know if Jonah was a good prophet. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Let's read 5 through 10, the last 5 of chapter 3. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He issued a proclamation and published it all throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and all of his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth, and let them call out to the mighty God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? Maybe God will turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that maybe we don't die. When God saw what they did, 
how they turned away from their evil way. God relented them from the disaster that he would do to them, and he did not do it. Man, what a turn in the story of the Ninevites, right? Jonah goes and gives the bare minimum prophecy he can, but the king hears it, and he commands the entire city, the entire nation, to turn away from their evil ways and call on God. And all of this is just hoping, just hoping that God does not destroy them for their evil. But then we go back to Jonah in chapter 4. Chapter 4, I'm just going to paraphrase the first four verses. Jonah sees that Nineveh is turning and repenting, and he's angry. He's angry. And again, he says that typical Jonah line, I would rather die than see this happen. God, I told you they would turn back. It's terrible. I'd rather die. And God simply replies with, really, Jonah, does it do you any good to be angry? We see Jonah in a state where he would rather be dead than to see the people that he despises, to see his enemies, to see the enemies of his own home country repent and turn to God. To put it simply, Jonah can't stand the idea of people that he doesn't like being saved by God. Maybe you're sitting there listening to the story of Jonah, and you're kind of like me. You're like, hmm, maybe he wasn't such a good prophet. Maybe you can't believe how selfish and shallow Jonah was. Because he doesn't like someone, he doesn't want God to save them. It's ridiculous. But let me challenge you. Have you ever had these same thoughts about someone in your life? Maybe it's the homeless man on the side of the road that you drive by every day, but he's just too dirty to invite to church. Maybe it's that biker who's tough and rugged, but he's too tough and rugged to bring to Christ. Or maybe it's that coworker at work that would just drive you crazy if you had to sit in the same room for them on Sunday mornings. Drive you crazy to be with them. For most of us, we don't even realize that there's people that we don't like to this level. And I know that there's people that we don't like, and sometimes I even realize this for myself. I realize that there's people that I put bias on, and I don't even realize I'm putting it towards them. True. There are those that are too loud, too quiet, too angry, too black, too white, too gay, too straight, too religious, too secular, too ugly, too beautiful, too rich, too poor. What is it for you? There are those people that I know I don't like, and I know there's people that you don't like. So let me ask you this morning, who's your Nineveh? 
Who's your Nineveh? You might be sitting there thinking, yeah, I guess I have a Nineveh. But that's okay, because I'm not a prophet of God. I don't have to do what Jonah had to do. I don't have to do anything with my Nineveh. Well, that's not right. You are a prophet of God, because when you accepted Christ into your life, and you killed your old self in the water of baptism, you came up out of that grave of watery baptism, and you've put on Christ And you became a prophet of God. You are a prophet of God. And you have a Nineveh. I am a prophet of God. And I have some Ninevehs. So Jonah, being a prophet of God, still had to obey God's command and deliver salvation to those that he hated, to those that he didn't like. And my call for us today is we have to do the same. In the New Testament scriptures, we have examples of this. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it's a familiar verse for most of us. But it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded of you. Acts 1, chapter 8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're commanded in the New Testament to make disciples of all nations to the ends of the earth. So you and I, prophets of God, All nations and the ends of the earth means we are to offer salvation even to our Ninevehs. So next week, we're going to keep looking at Jonah a little bit more. And I want to look at the conclusion of Jonah, the book and the prophet, and how he reacts to God saving Nineveh. And how we should react differently and in the same way. But for this week, church, I ask you again, who is your Nineveh? And how are you going to tell them about the glorious God that saves? Hey guys, it's Harold. In the summer of 2017, I kind of came up with a life motto of sorts. It basically goes, serve God, love people, and tell your story. I came up with those three things during a tough point in my life because it's what I wanted my purpose to be. And I see so often that we lack those three things in our society. So truly, to live bold, we must serve God, love people, and tell our story. So I hope you'll join me on this new podcast endeavor as we search out those three things and 